Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another Minecraft discussion. My name is Kimberly Quinn, and I'm ready to rock and roll today on uh, talking about scorekeeping in relationships and why it's sort of best to, to try to avoid this if possible. I think we all fall into it, especially um, if you're talking about a romantic relationship and you've been together for a long time. It can be very easy to fall into, almost maybe not even aware of it, but it's really a good idea to kind of steer out of that. And my inspiration for today is Richard Carlson. I'm on a Richard Carlson jag. He is the author of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and he's got a bunch of them. Don't Sweat the Small Stuff with Money. Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. The very first one, I think is that's what it, all it was. And then Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love, which is my inspiration today. So even though he's talking specific, specifically about scorekeeping, in romantic relationships, really, we can take his advice, you know, in general, because it just doesn't, it's not something that feels good or goes anywhere good, and yet it's a really common habit, I think we all can sink into at times, and, you know, he, Richard is funny, I think, and I, some, another, another one I'd love to have lunch with, he starts out just, just kind of getting straight to the point, you know, if you, if you, wanted an absolutely predictable, completely reliable way to guarantee ongoing frustration and a virtually guaranteed way to adversely affect your relationship, it would be to keep score of what you do and of what your partner isn't doing. Man, isn't that the truth? And if you really wanted to compound the problem, you could let your partner know on a regular basis how he or she isn't meeting your expectations and how much more you are doing than they are. I mean, that just definitely says it right there. I, I mean, and I, God, my husband and I have been married forever, 30 something years. And I wouldn't say we do a lot of this, but even in our, you know, gazillion year, lovely marriage, you do fall into it sometimes. And it's, and the thing is you fall into it because it's often true. So that's, you know, the hard part. Like lately I've had an issue with being the only dish doer, you know, and I'm like, I said, look, you know, just cause I'm remote today. You know, it doesn't mean I'm everybody's bitch. Jeez, you know, and um, and then he'll laugh. But then when we think about it, we talked about it. Uh, he was right uh, because he's also the one who gets up in the morning. And it's winter now. Starts the here in Vermont. Starts the fires right when he gets up dutifully. And I knew this. I knew this. I was kind of just playing with him. I wasn't. We weren't actually having an argument. But I was feeling like the sole dish doer. I'm definitely the sole chef. I've been the sole chef our entire marriage. And then, but then I see stop to think, yeah, he's the one doing the fires. He's also, this is to me a super traditional role, but he's the garbage taker outer. And it really is, you know, pretty even, but even if it weren't though, when we do fall into the scorekeeping, like when I brought the dishes the other day, it just doesn't, it doesn't really go anywhere good. And thankfully ours just turned into a conversation, but certainly then there are times in a 30 plus year marriage where especially if, I, you know, if one of or both of us were sleep deprived and we had the kids, you know, they were little and just got home with an infant or, you know, something like that. It's, it's easy to have it not be, you know, just an amicable, amicable conversation, which ours was this week, but to really let it get a small thing can really snowball into a bigger thing when it's about, oh, I took the garbage out three weeks in a row. Well, so what? You know, and, and even, and there are, there are ways to just, I mean, mostly the whole point of this conversation is to just let that go. But even if it is something super legit, that's getting in the way of the relationship, then obviously 
it's good to have a conversation because when we are proactive and say, you know, I've been noticing that it'd be really helpful if you wouldn't mind to, you know, take out the garbage too, or, or take, you know, alternate cleaning the bathroom. And what I'm thinking of, you know, at our, our ages, we're uh, in our seasoned late fifties, but this is definitely true and common, really common. I think when uh, our young adults go away to college and they're with roommates, you can be really fortunate when everybody's doing their share. And usually you start with, with just two people when you're first years, right? Maybe a third sometimes. Usually it's just two. By the time you're seniors, usually there's four people in the housing. Um, and, you know, and then, then it's a good idea to kind of come up with a plan so that's, you know, people aren't getting kind of irritated and resentful. So Richard kind of taps into that, you know, and then he goes on to say about the, you know, there's just, there can be an overall breakdown of the otherwise positive relationship. So his thing is mostly about, you know, the romantic relationship, but again, it's roommates. It could be siblings who are, who are now roommates as young adults. It can also be, you know, the young adults and parents and stuff. And obviously in a nuclear family like that, you're going to probably tolerate it more than you would as, as you know, non-familiar roommates, but still it can really be prevented. It's an easy thing that we slide into because it's human. You, you know, I did this five times and you did it zero times, especially when it's a bathroom because the bathroom is a bathroom. You know, taking out the garbage is near is not nearly as gross as cleaning a bathroom. So I think that can tend to, that's the one that's, you know, last on the list for people. And often the one person, let's say in a roommate situation who can't stand it, ends up being the one who does it because she or he or they just can't stand it. And then they get resentful, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then Richard said, for various reasons, it's tempting to keep track, either silently, which is usually what it is, right? Or even out loud of all that you're doing to contribute to the relationship, I'm going to say, or roommate situation, to make your, your partner's life easier and how much you sacrificed in the name of that relationship. And that's kind of what we fall into. Again, I'm just expanding Richard's um, take on this with a romantic relationship because there's so many other ways this scorekeeping thing can happen. Or even if you're dating but not living together, but, you know, like you're maybe you just started dating and one's doing most of the date planning and the other one's maybe doing none. That still counts. And, and you know, after a while, you're like, what the heck? If I stepped out of this and stopped planning the movies and the lunches and the walks through Central Park, do we even have a relationship? You know, it wears on you after a while. Um, and then he says, you know, you think of how many times in a row you've cleaned the house or paid the bills or driven to work or done the laundry or bathed the children or whatever. So um, he says, perhaps we do this for fear we won't be appreciated or maybe it's because we are slightly resentful of the role we find ourselves in, or perhaps it's something altogether different. But he says, whatever the reason is, it backfires. I also think it's important to acknowledge here, because uh, we do a lot of talking about the ego, right? And ego being the evil twin of the authentic self. And some of the things um, Richard talks about, the need to be appreciated, we find ourselves resentful, and if, if we kind of allow ourselves to, to cave into being the one doing the high majority of things, at least in our perspective, we got to, I think it's important in addition to, to not, you know, the part where we're talking about not scorekeeping, I think it's really important to look at our own behavior and why we're kind of allowing ourselves to take on that role in the first place, because 
you know, and blaming doesn't ever go anywhere good either. So we can only, we even if we wanted to blame, we can only blame the other person so much because we're also, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tango, right? Especially if we're talking about a romantic relationship. So if this has been going on for months and months and years and years, there's likely a, a pretty large dose of codependency there where we're, you know, sacrificing our own comfort, life minutes and everything to make things easier for the partner because, and we can tell by how we're, how we feel, right? Because we've talked about this. There's mindful giving versus mindless giving. So with mindful giving, and you know how, but you know by how you feel, if we're mindfully surprising the partner with a beautiful dinner or breakfast in bed, or mindfully planning dates for the person we just started seeing, or mindfully, um, we got a group of roommates in college or graduate school or out in the world or whatever, millennials, and you're working, and you mindfully bring in, you know, get fresh cut flowers every couple of weeks for the house. And, um, and you feel, you feel good about that. You feel charged up. You feel energized versus mindless giving when we just are doing something out of, the, out of an ego place, look for the need for getting our self-esteem from doing good things, like becoming, instead of just authentically doing it without expecting anything back without caring if we get any kudos without caring about the appreciation that's my full giving mine less giving we are scorekeeping when we're in the place of um being ego driven because that means we're getting resentful that people aren't appreciating we're getting resentful that they're not doing their share we're getting resentful that maybe they're not even noticing and that's important that i think that we look at and that's me adding it in here because i think that in order to, you know, sort of arrive at a better place with scorekeeping in a relationship, we have to look at, you know, the both both sides of dancing the tango, I guess so that's what I'm saying. And this next part that Richard talks about is important too, which we've talked a lot about in Minecraft is actually the foundation as far as in, in, in a general sense that, you know, we know for a fact that thoughts come first and feelings come second. And actions or behavior last, right? So the the thoughts we allow, and the word is allow, to stick, right? And if we also do that 17-second rule we've talked about, if we really kind of let that resent resentful kind of talking, I've taken the garbage out nine weeks in a row, or I've done the dishes for the last three weeks in a row, we allow that to, to continue to circle more than 17 seconds is even a tougher, you know, uphill push to get it to stop, Right. So, so Richard taps into this with the whole thought pattern thing, which I think is important. So he says, when you engage in this extremely common habit, we're talking of scorekeeping, two things are certain. First, your excessive thinking about the perceived inequities in your relationship will frustrate you and stress you out. That is, excuse me, that is true. When you constantly remind yourself of your own hard work, you'll, you'll invariably feel angry at your partner and in many cases, your loving feelings were diminished. This is very important. And again, if we want to reel in the roommates and things, it's not the same level of love, but the consideration, the liking, the, those relationships will also diminish. It's all really not different. It's just maybe deeper and more committed with a romantic relationship, but you're still, the relationships of a roommate's relationships are still diminished. The connection between your thinking and the way you feel is undeniable. I'm glad Richard said that to support us because we've been talking about that for a very long time. As you think about your resentments uh, and fill your mind with your unfair task load, you'll feel the effects of those burdensome thoughts. 
you'll feel taken advantage of and burned out. And I like that he touches on this uh, for the reason that we were just saying a few moments ago, because what part of it has nothing to do with them not taking the garbage out for nine weeks and allowing us to do it? Well, the fact that we're letting it circle through our heads, you know, that, that, that toxic internal dialogue just going around and around, whether it's legit or not, we're allowing the hamster in the wheel thinking to all those thoughts to then lead to those feelings that we're thinking resentful thoughts, they will inevitably feel to resentful feelings or angry feelings or whatever it is we're talking about. That part's on us. We could have a conversation and be done with it. Um, but the fact that we're letting it just smolder, like, you know, simmer on the back burner is us. And I like uh, Wayne Dyer talks about it a lot, right? He says, no one else can hurt your feelings. So we can change that to, from hurt feelings to offend you. No one, else, no one else can hurt your feelings. No one else can make you angry. No one else only, because think about it, they're your feelings. No one else has control over your feelings. All you have control over your feelings. It doesn't mean whatever they're doing isn't legitimate. It, it is. It might be, right? It, it might be or is. And it's on our end, though, with how we handle it is, is the ticket. So then Richard said in, in response to the partner relationship or, to, you know, the romantic relationship example, he says, second, your partner will feel your resentment and built up tension, which will give him or her more negativity to latch on to and think about. So then your kind of hamster spinning around in the negative internal dialogue wheel will then trip their hamster to spin around a negative, you know, internal dialogue wheel. And now you're both two hamsters spinning around in wheels that are going no place good. And he says, uh, no one wants to feel as though their partner is put off and angered by the contributions they're making, or I'd say, or not making, right? In fact, the usual response to discovering this is to become defensive about how much he or she is doing in comparison. Both parties dig in and think even more about how much they are doing. Scorecards are flying. So then your scorecard kind of leaks into them keeping score, and it's a cycle. Negative feelings surround your relationship and both partners think the other is to blame. And then we get into the, the shame blame cycle and it just doesn't go anywhere. It just doesn't go anywhere good or healthy or positive. And the other thing I want to just add in here, just from, you know, being in a long-term, you know, just wonderful marriage. And I'm not saying anything's perfect. Nobody, no one's relationship is. And certainly if you're married for 30 plus years, you've, had some firecracker moments too, no question. Um, but what I want to say is that the uh, it's it's definitely not it's definitely not a, a, a great habit to sink into scorekeeping. But and or and that said though, I don't know that we need you know any whistleblowing right off the bat because if we're talking about a romantic relationship and maybe even a college relationship, I'm thinking more romantic relationship. Um, but in it, there's a give and take, and it's not always even day to day. Sometimes somebody might be doing most of the giving when the other partner's having a rough time. And it's, you know, might be, you know, two or three weeks or four weeks or three months of that person doing most of the giving. And then it, and then it flips and changes. And then it's the other partner doing more, you know, it's rarely when you're in a long-term relationship, is it 50, 50 on a daily basis? It just doesn't work that way because life doesn't work that way. So I kind of wanted to just throw that in there. So, and then lastly, Richard says, you know, a way to kind of turn this around, right? Because we always start in the podcast, we've got a topic, and then we talk about the whole middle and how, like, kind of like the issue at hand. And then the idea is to wind up on the, hopefully, as close to always as possible on a positive note with kind of how to 
turn it around, kind of like what to do, you know? And so Richard says, as the scorecard enters your mind, see if you can drop those thoughts. See if you can drop those. I, I can just picture, like, drop the thoughts. Think of the thought bubbles like John Cabot's in. Just like, pop, pop, pop. Think of, uh, see if you can drop those thoughts and bring yourself back to a loving feeling. Remind yourself that it's easier to see your own contribution, that is true, than to take your partner's efforts, oh, and to take your partner's efforts for granted. For the moment, reverse this process. Think not of what your partner isn't doing, but instead uh, think of what he is doing. You may discover that some portion of your frustration isn't reality, but simply a mental habit that has crept into your thinking. Oh my gosh, I just absolutely love what he just said. Because we are all the authors, you know, of our own script, the, the main actors on our own stage, right? So when we can really slow that down, we often do realize that since we've been thinking about it so much, the thoughts it, themselves just took on their own momentum, took on their own life. And that when we really stopped to fact check a little bit, maybe we didn't take the garbage out nine times in a row. Maybe even if it wasn't exactly even, he or she or they did take it out of cut. You know what I mean? Like, so it's really important to step out of that current a little bit. Um, uh, where was I? Okay. And then each time you dismiss your, this isn't fair thinking, you'll be contributing to the goodwill of your relationship. If we can pop that bubble, you know, like John Cabazin says, pop these bubbles. I am not my thoughts. In fact, he talks about his wife, Chris, Chris and I have discovered that ultimately keeping your scorecard thinking to a minimum actually contributes to a loving relationship. Um, to more of a loving relationship than any of the more concrete contributions you are making. I'm assuming like garbage taking out, take garbage, taking, taking out, taking out the garbage. Anyway, doing the dishes like my little issue a couple weeks ago. And, and then the ones you were fretting about. So the whole thing is the idea of the whole, don't sweat the small stuff. I think it's also important to say here because, and I've done other episodes that on this and I live my life this way that none of this is an emergency. Thank goodness life is not an emergency. And usually it's not even an urgency. You know, God forbid when we, you know, we, if somebody gets that phone call middle of the night, the state troopers are calling and it's some really bad accident or something. Thank God that is not the everyday. And not only is that not the everyday, life isn't even urgent most days, right? It just isn't. So to get, to just think about, stop ourselves when we're in that nip it in the bud is the fact that I took the garbage out, you know, five more times than, than they did, she did, he did, whatever. It, 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 we really can almost laugh at ourselves like this is not a crisis. It doesn't mean it's not that you're not right five times versus two times, but it's the garbage or it's the dishes. Just like my little thing the other day. It's thank God. It's not a tumor. I think thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, is that the Terminator? I feel which I it's not a tumor. No, I think it was kindergarten cop. Arnold Schwarzenegger says, it's not a tumor. Thank God most things are not that level. It's just the garbage. It's just dishes. It doesn't mean it's not worthy of a conversation. So everybody's feeling good about it, right? But that's really all it needs to be. And if we can do the suck it up buttercup thing in the in the first stages of it and just not keep score it'll be so much better okay that's it this is kimberly quinn signing off from the beautiful wonderfully snowy northern vermont have a mindful day